What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? All right, so obviously the big news this week is the death of George Floyd. Obviously, rest in peace to Mr. Floyd, and um, thoughts and prayers go out to anyone affected by it. But we're not going to really comment any further on that um, because this is a sports podcast and it's not a politically based podcast. Um, We're going to get right into trivia. I don't know, Nick, do you want to go first or should I? Uh, Sure. And just a comment on what Brian said, because we did just discuss this and like how he wanted to approach George Floyd. You know, it's, it's a really complex issue. And it's not that we don't care. It's just we don't it's, it's hard to, like, really put ourselves into the conversation with the knowledge that we have and like the position that we're in in terms of being being a sports podcast. Yeah. So it's just really tough. Um, and that's, that's I just wanted to, like, elaborate on that. Uh, other than that. Uh, to begin this week's podcast, I have my set of trivia, which is all going to be based on the highest scores in each or highest score, you know, depending on the sport, obviously, highest score in each category. Uh, so starting off with baseball for this week, I chose uh, who has who has the most career home runs in MLB history. So that is my trivia question. Is it A, Hank Aaron, B, Babe Ruth, C, Alex Rodriguez, or D, Barry Bonds? A, Hank Aaron. Uh, B, Babe Ruth, C, Alex Rodriguez, or D, Barry Bonds? It's definitely not Alex Rodriguez. It's not Babe Ruth. Um, I think it's... I feel like I should know this more, but I'm going to go with mm, Barry Bonds. Uh, Barry Bonds is the correct answer. Uh, Barry Bonds has 762 career home runs with Hank Aaron just behind him with 755. Uh, just before him, we have Babe Ruth at 714. And then behind him, we have Alex Rodriguez in 696. Um, pretty interesting list there. I, I find, got that uh, you know, with Babe Ruth being so long ago, I guess were fences shorter back then, I'd imagine. Probably. Some of them are longer because you have places like the Polo Grounds that had, had incredibly long fences where it's impossible to hit home runs. But Yankee Stadium obviously has always had a short porch even back yeah. to way back then. But uh, uh, the Polo Grounds, like, they did have long fences. Well, you're talking about height, I would imagine, right? Well, also like length too. Was, wasn't the polo ground short on the side? I want to. I, I think up the middle it was very long. Um, I forgot what the polo grounds dimensions were, but it was. So the polo grounds had a, a length of two hundred and seventy-five meters and a width of one hundred and forty-five meters, which in, in a unit polo, a polo field is three hundred yards long and one hundred sixty yards wide. Three hundred yards long. So three hundred yards long is how many feet? Well, this thing says left field was 279 okay. feet, right field Perfect. was 258 feet, and center field was 449 feet. So center yeah, field so was hard. Center field was really far, but, but the, the, two but the sides right were very easy to hit home runs. Interesting, interesting. Because, you know, when you think of the rest of the list between Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Alex Rodriguez, it's all relatively more recent than yeah. Babe Ruth. Um, and, of course, between Barry Bonds and Alex Rodriguez, you have a lot of issues with steroids yeah. there. Um, do their records count or not? Uh, and in terms of that debate, I honestly do not know yeah. where to lean on that because it's like it's impossible to tell would they have hit that many home runs with or without steroids. Most likely not. I don't think they. But, ha- but how do you just erase all that from history? You know, yeah. it was everyone at that time was using steroids, so it's just it's really a tough position to like. Do you count those or do you not? Yeah, and I think basically, um, I mean. Barry Bonds does hold the record, but that'll always be a discussion, which is kind of like that asterisk that's next to records like that. Mm-hmm. 
So tough decision. Let, let, us, let us know what you guys think uh, about that, you know, contacting us, which we'll talk about later, as always. But uh, moving on from baseball, we have basketball. So basketball, uh, pretty simple list, easy to put together. Um, pretty much everyone knows this answer, but uh, just for fun, uh, who has the most career points in NBA history? Is it A, Karl Malone, B, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, C, LeBron James, or D, Kobe Bryant? Uh, a, Karl Malone, B, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, C, LeBron James, or D, Kobe Bryant? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That is the correct answer. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has 38,387 points throughout his career. Um, obviously, he's retired now. Uh, 1,560 games played. Um, you know, his his points are kind of different from anybody in the current NBA, or even Karl Malone, or even LeBron James, or even Kobe Bryant. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you guys don't know much about him, obviously he played in the 70s to 80s, um, and he was known for his skyhook, which, uh, you know, hook shot's not really something used a lot in the NBA yeah. uh, nowadays, but in terms of the skyhook, in terms of how, how it's effective, it's, it's pretty much unblockable. It's how good can you shoot the shot, because when you're shooting it, you know, you're taking it over your right shoulder, and if the person's on the opposite side of you, there's no way they can reach across your body to block that shot. So it's kind of how good can you shoot the hook shot, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was incredible at it. Um, he's talked about it. He said that, you know, people are more enamored with the three-point, and it's, you know, it's an extra point rather than a two. But how effective the hook shot was is what allowed him to be the, the highest scorer in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Carl Malone being number two, LeBron James being three, and Kobe Bryant being four, they've all used a three-point shot, um, more LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, obviously. Um, but they've had the three-point shot in, in play, and they still didn't score as many points as him. Uh, Carl Malone, number two, has 36,928 points on 1,476 games played. Arguably, if he played more games, he would have been able to reach Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, LeBron James, who has 34,087 points right now with 1,258 games played. Uh, he is on track to be the number one scorer in NBA history. We'll have to see how his career pans out. But I, I personally do believe that when LeBron James does retire, he will be the number one scorer in NBA history. Um, in terms of all my all-time list, I definitely have LeBron at two, uh, Jordan at one, probably Kobe at three. Um, and then you have Kobe with 33,643 points in 1,346 games played. Uh, interestingly enough, Kobe had less points in more games played than LeBron. Um, you know, what does it say about Kobe? I don't know. Obviously, Kobe's one of the greats, but just interesting to see where people place. Michael Jordan's at five, Dirk's at six, so, you know, some, some great players there. Um, you know, it's just interesting to me that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar holds the record with having not really shot any three-pointers in his time. He made one three-pointer in his entire career and holds the record for the most points ever made. So he shot he shot 15,837 uh, field goals, which were mainly twos, versus somebody like LeBron James, who had 12,000 field goals made, 13,000 field goals made for Karl Malone, uh, 11,000 for Kobe, you know, a, lot, a few thousand less field goals. Um, you know, almost up there with Kareem. So interesting stuff there. Uh, you know, the league NBA has definitely changed over time into more of a three-point league. Uh, moving on from there, we're going to have the football. We're having our little football section. So, you know, football, there's a bunch of different ways people can score. But this one's going to be, I think this one's the most interesting out of all of them. I, I didn't, I didn't go past touchdowns. I said at, like pure score. Who was the, who was the number one, who has the most points in NFL history, the most points scored? Huh. And when you think of scoring points, what do you think, Brian? Do you think you think quarterbacks? You think running backs? You think wide receivers? Yeah. Interestingly enough, that every the out of everyone on the top twenty-five most points scored in NFL history, 
every single one of those players is a place kicker. Huh. They kicked field goals, the three points. And I guess, you know, you only get a few touchdowns of games, but I guess it's more likely that you get the three-point kick um, a lot more. And so I guess that, that, that's why. And extra points, too, yes. Uh, so interestingly enough, that is that is what we have. So uh, here we go. Who is the number one scorer of all time in the NFL? Who has the most points? Is it A, Adam Vinatieri, B, Morton Anderson, C, Gary Anderson, or D, Jason Hansen? A, Adam Vinatieri, B, Morton Anderson, C, Gary Anderson, or D, Jason Hansen? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with A. That is the correct answer. I'm I figured you would go with A because that's the only name you'd probably know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Adam Vinatieri is a correct answer. He is currently still in the NFL. He started playing in 1996, and he's still playing. Wow. He's a total of 2,673 points. Um, he's played for a myriad of teams throughout his career. But when I think of Adam Vinatieri, I kind of think the Colts. Yeah. I think the Colts Adam Vinatieri, that's that's the one I know the best. Um he's he's forty seven right now and he's still playing, so it's he's wow. he might be one of the oldest players ever in in NFL history. I'm not even sure. I think he might be. I can't remember if he is or not. Uh but forty seven, that's extremely old. Obviously when you're a place kicker, you don't have to do that much athletically in terms of running up and down the field and such. So um as long as you can still put the ball through the uprights, you can continue to play in the NFL. And you know, I think it's kind of similar with the quarterback position. Uh, somebody like Tom Brady, where if you don't have to be mobile and all you have to do is throw the ball and hand it off, then mm-hmm. you know your age doesn't really play a factor. It's how well can you do those things. Uh, it's really interesting there. Um, out of Morton, Hand- Morton Anderson, Gary Anderson, and Jason Hansen, the only other player that I've personally heard of is Morton Anderson. I know he was a punter kicker for the Falcons for a while, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he, let's see, he was known as Great Dane. Uh, he he played for the Atlanta Falcons, correct? That's that's what I thought. Um, he has 2,544 points. Uh, Gary Anderson has 2,434 points. And then uh, Jason Hansen has 2,150 points. Uh, interestingly enough, all these players on this list, so Martin Anderson, I already talked about uh, Adam Vinatieri. Martin Anderson played from 1982 to 2007. Gary Anderson played from 1982 to 2004. And Jason Hansen played from 1992 to 2012. Uh, interestingly enough, they're all relatively current era players. Um, so I guess, you know, as leagues evolve, not only has passing become more of a option, I think kicking three-point kicks has been more an option. Um, if you guys don't know, I, I can't remember exactly when, but I want to say it was around the 1970s, that, or 1980s, that, that kickers started, instead of kicking with the front of their foot, the toe, they started kicking with the side of their foot. And that, that it's, you know, slightly decreased power, but it greatly, greatly, greatly increase their accuracy and you know we, we saw field goal percentages from kickers looking like 30s to 40s and now it's more you expect somewhere between the 70s 80s 90s um so you know as time has progressed we've seen kickers become more and more accurate so they their use and in terms of you know if we're 40 yards away from the field goal uh teams are more elective to go pick a kicker to go kick the field goal rather than try and go on fourth down or punt it um so you know that that change has has brought you know kickers to i guess number one increase their value but never to allow them to score so many points over time and that's why we see a lot of these kickers being more uh, recent rather than uh you know in past years uh, so some interesting stuff there definitely killed a lot of time in the podcast there but i just thought you know those things were kind of interesting um so that ends my trivia section brian i think you have trivia yes, questions yes i do okay so mine uh my trivia questions are based around the oldest coaches in each of the I'm talking head coaches in each of the major sports. So we'll start with football. Um, who is currently the oldest NFL coach? 
A, Bill Belichick, B, Pete Carroll, C, Mike McCarthy, or D, Ron Rivera? That one is pretty easy. It's going to be uh, B, Pete Carroll. Yes, he is. He is, I think, 16... I have it pulled up. Somewhere. Yes. 69. And, uh, and Bill Belichick's not too far behind him. Yeah. Ron Rivera's pretty young. And I forgot what the other option was at this Pete point. Pete Carroll, 67. Um, uh, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, and he's not too old either. Yeah, yeah Pete, Pete Carroll's been coaching for a while, a really long time. Yeah. Uh, I remember he was assistant coach for USC, and then he became the head coach coached USC for a while and then he I forget he's, he's been around around the block a few times but uh obviously he's been the coach for the Seahawks for a while now and he's mm-hmm. won some Super Bowls so uh really good coach you know he, he deserves to be in the league still yeah uh, year after year the Seahawks make the playoffs despite having a myriad of different rosters yeah and then all right I guess I'll just go on to NBA who is currently the oldest NBA coach a Mike D'Antoni b Doc Rivers c Steve Kerr or d Greg Popovich very very easy one um if you watch basketball it's gonna be greg Popovich. d this guy's a legend he's a dinosaur in the league but i believe he's i, th- I think he's the most winningest coach in nba history if i'm not mistaken or he's i know he's definitely top three definitely awesome. um yeah uh so you know he's been around the league for so so long um he's you know he's been spurs coach for i don't know how long uh obviously coached tim duncan tony parker that team with Kawhi leonard uh, and obviously Spurs are the most winningest franchise in NBA history because a uh, greatly part of Greg Popovich and his incredible coaching. So mm-hmm. uh, hats off to him and his career. He, I'm expecting him to retire soon. Yeah. Uh, the Spurs are not getting much better in terms of talent-wise, and he's getting a lot older. His wife passed, I believe, this past year. Um, so it, it seems that he, he's winding down in his career, which is you know not a terrible thing. You know, uh, Obviously, he's, he's such a great coach. So, um, uh, so you know, uh, you know, there's not much else to say, but he's a great coach. Yeah. All right, this one I hope you have a little bit more trouble with. But who's currently the oldest MLB coach? A. Terry Francona. B. Mike Matheny. C. Joe Madden. Or D. Dusty Baker. That one is tough because so, I don't know baseball as well, and I really don't know managers in baseball. The only manager that I, I recognized in there was Dusty Baker, so I'm going to go with Dusty Baker. But I really don't know. Who it is. It is actually Joe Madden. Joe Madden is 65 years old. He is currently coaching the Angels. He just turned 60. Well, not just, but in February he's turned 65. Um, but that's it for my trivia. So you want to get into some NFL stuff? Well, it's only really one thing. But. Yeah, uh, just kind of two things for the NFL. One being that it's not really any, I would say, newsworthy, but players are returning back to their training facilities. Um, you know, I've seen a couple posts here and there about players uh, training. I saw a recent picture of James Conner running back for the Steelers. He looked very wide in his back. He looks really jacked up for the season. Uh, he had that really good rookie season once uh, Le'Veon Bell sat out, mm. and he was kind of, you know, very inconsistent last year. And I'm sure he's planning to. I think he has contract year coming up, so he's definitely looking to bulk up and really put on a good year so he can earn himself a nice contract. Um, so other than that, you know, again, players returning back to their facilities where it, where they're allowed. Um, everyone's kind of returning back to normal here. The coronavirus, you know, I'd say partly in, in part because of the George Floyd situation, but it's also because the coronavirus is dying down. Uh, it's come, it's, you know, everyone's kind of returning to normal. And it's a nice thing to see that, you know, in terms of the coronavirus and everything's turning to normal. Um, and other than that, uh, in terms of like actual NFL news, the only news that really came out this week for the NFL is going to be based around Eli Apple. Um, he was the pick, I can't remember, was it 2015, I think, pick for 2016, pick for the Giants, first-round pick, Eli Apple, quarterback. 
Uh, he's been around the league for a little bit. The Giants released him because he was pretty abysmal for the Giants, and the Saints picked him up. He was solid with the Saints, um, and now the Panthers have elected to sign him to a one-year contract. Uh, he's obviously he was the tenth. There you go. He was the tenth overall selection in the 2016 draft. Um, yeah, he's, he struggled pretty r- roughly. Um, yeah, apparently, he, he 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 had to deal with the Raiders that fell through. Um, so I, you know, I really don't know where Eli Apple's going to do, but he, if he wants to remain in the league, he's 24, so he's got a little bit of age on him, but he's still definitely got some years ahead of him. Um, he's definitely going to have to figure out, hopefully figure it out in what the Panthers are giving him a shot. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But other than that, there's not much NFL news. Panthers signed Eli Apple and that's all I got. Uh, so moving over to the NBA. All right. Um, so there's really only one piece of news. It's actually pretty, uh, I guess you could say major for everything. So, um, the NBA is expected this Thursday, uh, they have like a, the league executives have to vote for things to pass, obviously. So they're expected to approve Adam Silver's restart plan for the NBA. And basically what that is, it's pretty interesting. So first off, it's going to be all in Orlando, Florida, like we talked about last week in ESPN, Wide World of Sports Complex would be in early July. So that gives you some idea of when they're thinking of starting. Um, the format is where it gets the most interesting. They're only going to have 22 teams, uh, stay in the facilities, not the 30 teams that are in the NBA. So the, obviously the, I I would imagine the best 11 teams in each conference, there would be, uh, regular season games and then playing games to compete for the playoffs and then the playoffs would happen. Um, so basically they need a three fourths majority of the owners to, approve the plan and uh based off a board of governors call that they had on friday and just other information it seems like they're going to have those three-fourths majority so it seems that nba the nba not counting the nfl is going to be the first of the major leagues to have a well actually the nh and the nhl just did one too but we'll get into that um so the nba seems to be moving forward uh nick do you have anything to say about that uh, not much. I'm just I'm happy to see the NBA back. I've definitely yeah. been missing it. Uh, so it, it's nice to see that there's a plan in. It seems like there's a plan in place to have a return in July. So that's that's good to see. Yeah, um, that's really it for the NBA. So I'll just go on to baseball, where there's other news to talk about. Uh, the first thing it's kind of minor. Well, it's not minor for certain people, but there's a lot of minor leaguers getting cut. A lot of front office people for the minor league teams getting cut because it's expected that the minor league season is not going to happen. Um, obviously, a lot of players were already cut after spring training or were about to be cut because after spring training, you cut a bunch of players. But there's a lot of minor leaguers that have been cut in recent days, and there's expected to be a lot more, including front office staff and things like that, because there's no money to pay these players. And if there's not going to be a season, what's the point of keeping them around? Um, so that's somewhat minor news in terms of the larger sports world, but still important for those players. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, which is probably the bigger news, the uh, baseball lined out a new economic proposal. Um, well, it's not new anymore, but early this week, they had sent it over to the Players Association. Um, and basically, the Players Association uh, did not enjoy this proposal and is expected to make a new economic proposal. I don't know when, but it's just another um, item that MLB and the Players Association can agree upon, which 
continues to uh, push back the date that MLB is going to, going to start. But basically what the economic proposal was, um, it would be an 82-game season starting in early July after a 21-game, a 21-day spring training. Um, but the more controversial part of that is the economic plans. Basically what it was is that the, the more... Uh, the players getting smaller contracts or getting less money from these contracts would be keeping a larger percentage of the money they should be receiving from their prorated salaries that they had agreed upon. And I think the scale was like 530000 to $1,001,000 would get 72.5% of their contract. And then on the other end of the spectrum, the players getting the most money would get would receive less of the portion that they should be re- that they're supposed to be receiving. So I think it was twenty million and above would be receiving twenty million. I mean twenty percent of their contract, and obviously there was in betweens. But those are the two ends of the spectrum. Obviously, the some of the MLB's biggest stars are not happy with that because that's who they're most affecting. Um, I'm gonna get into one more thing and then I'm gonna give my opinion on that. So Scott Boris, who's a famous um, NFL, I mean, baseball agent, um, I think he's the agent for Mike Trout and Garrett Cole. So some of the two of the biggest baseball stars um, has been telling his clients that there's no reason for them to have to give any portion of their prorated salaries back to the baseball. And all the blame goes to front offices not having uh, the financials. Um, to deal with that, and um, he believes that the GMs or owners should be using the profits from previous seasons to pay these players. Uh, there's been a lot of, not a lot of controversy, but some controversy around those comments, and basically what my opinion is, um, I think he does make a good point that the GMs and owners have profit that they could pay these players, but in all honesty, the players have to expect that there's going to be a significant amount of their money not given to them just because it's 82 games um, and baseball doesn't really have the money to pay them. Um, I think this was like the f- first um, the first proposal on a back and forth that's going to go on for a while because it's obviously money and that's a huge part of baseball being that it's a business. And I think it's the first step in finally getting to an agreement between the two sides. I don't think that it's going to end up being that the higher pl- players are going to be losing, I guess, 80% of their contracts. And I think they're going to come to a, me- a medium, but I think Scott Boris has to realize and um, be honest that there has to be some agreement that comes into play between baseball and the Players Association because those prorated salaries were agreed upon at a time where the coronavirus was going on, but it wasn't expected to be... to be as um, impactful as it was to the major sports. Um, I don't know. Nick, do you have anything about that? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm i probably going to lean in favor of the owners. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's again, it's a really tough situation, but at the end of the day, if the, you know, is it really the the duty of the owners to pay the players full salaries in, in terms of like legal obligations? You know, morally, should they probably do it? Yeah, they probably should pay the players. You know, the owners have, are are in the better financial situation, um, and at the end of the day, they they do have the money to give out to the players to pay their full salaries. 
Um, but more of a, a business perspective and more of a, I guess, practical legal perspective, it makes a lot more sense to prorate the salaries of the players and to pay them only what they're going to play. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly do see it going that route. Um, difficult situation, 100%. Uh, and I really don't know what, what the side is, but, it, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm probably going to lean towards this, the side of the owners just because it makes the most logical sense to me that the players should get paid for what they play yeah. and not and not get paid their full salary this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, both the owners and both the players are going to be just fine. Uh, yeah. They're getting paid millions upon millions of dollars. And although, you know, you know, if I was in a situation when I want to get paid the millions of dollars, yes, but at the same time, I'd be like, okay, the situation, not great. At the end of the day, I'm still able to provide for my family. I'm still getting, you know, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars, based on my salary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sh- I can't be too upset. We may just have to cut back a little bit of the costs that we were, we're going to have, and we'll have to adjust just like every other family across the country is doing. Um, so, I, again, I, I probably probably side slightly with the owners in this situation and the thing about scott boris is he's been known i mean a lot of agents are that's what the name of the game is but he's been known to be like very money hungry um and i mean that is the business that he's a part of but i think his comments have been even more controversial because he has that um stigma about him if you want to call it that uh but 100 and, and um isn't he if i'm not I'm not wrong. He is the manager of Bryce Harper as well. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. So when all these players get deals and they do get paid their full salaries, he's getting a, a portion yeah. of that. So it's in his best interest to be able for the players to be able to collect their full salary amounts too. So yeah, so it's kind of like a two sided uh, way for him to go about mm-hmm. things because he wants his money too. Um, but that's really it for baseball. No college stuff. No, I'm just virtually no college stuff. Um, so I'm probably just going to go past that today. But in other news, we have a little bit of of NHL news. And, you know, I'm, I've am i been a fan of the NHL since I was little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been an Islanders fan. I've probably said it on the podcast before. I'm still an Islanders fan at, fan at heart. I'm kind of just – I'm a sort of a – I'm a playoff watcher for the NHL at this point. I just watched the playoffs if the Islanders make it or the Stanley Cup. That's about it. That's me too. Um, and we do have somebody – on our team now who does cover the NHL. Uh, his name is Max Greenberg, a good friend of mine from way back in high school. Uh, we met each other. Really big Nashville Predators fan, a really big NHL fan, so I'm not sure if he listens to this, but if he does, uh, shout out to Max. Really great guy. Um, and he does, he is covering a little bit of NHL for us, but um, since the NHL is kind of the major news, sports news for the week, I did want to cover it. Um, so uh, Gary Bettleman, who I believe is the NHL, he is the NHL commissioner, uh, he announced, what was it, how many days ago? Five days ago that the NHL will be returning because obviously they were getting to playoff time. Uh, playoff around the, It was getting ready to be the playoffs in the NHL, and obviously coronavirus hit, so they had to postpone the season. But they did announce five days ago the league's plan to return to play. Um, so their, their theory is, or their plan, is to go with a 24-team playoffs um, and it's going to be 12 teams from each, I guess, each conference, mm-hmm. I guess, each side, east-west. I forget because I forget, the NHL divides it really weird now. Yeah. They're like metropolitan division. It used to be a little more simpler, more like uh, NFL, NFL-based NFL sort of conferences, divisions. Um, because they're going to go from 12, uh, yes, they're going to go from 12 team, top 12 teams in each conference, um, which would allow the New York Islanders to get in there, so I'm kind of excited about that. It's also going to allow the New York Rangers to get in there, so I know Brian's a little excited, even though Brian's not a huge Rangers fan. I know he's a little bit of a Rangers yeah. fan, so 
Um, I, I, Brian, Brian, you're pretty much like me, right? Just kind of a playoff watcher yeah. of the NHL at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, playoff, uh, hockey playoffs are really interesting. Mm-hmm. They're like real, they're always like pretty tight, close games. You know, hockey's like really physical, fast moving sport. Um, if you guys like not in huge into hockey, like I definitely recommend going to watch, uh, at playoff hockey. I think playoff basketball kind of has that same feel too. Yeah. Where it's like playoff basketball and playoff hockey are so much better. So yeah, playoffs is better in every sport, honestly. Like playoff baseball, much better than regular season. Like Definitely. playoff everything is just better. The only sport where I want to say that I think the NFL might be an exception. I think every week for the NFL is exciting, but yeah. I, that just could be me because I'm a huge NFL guy. I mean, there's but you know, with, with the NFL only having 16 games, every game counts for so much. That's mm-hmm. what makes it really interesting. Or it's yeah. going to be, I guess, 17 games now. Um, interestingly enough, but uh, I'm really excited to see you know the NHL return. And in terms of the date they plan on returning, I'm not sure if that was announced. Let me go back and read the article. Um, okay, so they want to return uh, mid July. Mm-hmm. That is that is their their go to plan. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's a, a set date yet, but um, we are just heading into June tomorrow. Um, j- tomorrow will be June first, so. Uh, they have some time to decide that date. Um, other than that, that runs out the NHL. Uh, in terms of a controversial topic, you know, there isn't really much to say at this point. Uh, the coronavirus, you know, obviously, again, George Floyd is kind of the George Floyd situation has really taken over the country at this mm-hmm. point, and coronavirus is kind of on the back burner. Um, and it, other than athletes speaking out about their perspectives and, and their ideas and thoughts about the George Floyd situation, um, there isn't much coronavirus or anything going on. There's not really any controversies going on right now other than that. Um, and in terms of, I guess I could give a coronavirus update. Obviously, not much going on. Mm-hmm. I would say last week's coronavirus update is the same as this week's. Everyone's just planning to return to normal, and it's nice thing to see. I definitely see more people out. Um, and one thing that I've seen, which I think we're going to see moving forward, again, none of this is confirmed, just a theory of mine. Um, I think there was a study done in China. I think that when people interact outside, the rate of infection, the rate of like trans- transmission, like people are people who co- have contact outside are not going to be able to give coronavirus um, anywhere close to the rate if they were inside in a closed environment. Uh-huh. Um, so if you go out and see your friend outdoors, you know, the chances of him giving you COVID-19 is going to be extremely, extremely, extremely lower than somebody in a closed area, which is which generally the thought and is, is the case with most diseases. But I think it's definitely going to be. Uh, really important in, in such a large pandemic to have that and know that and to be able to, you know, if we're going to have a large meeting, it's best if we have it outside because mm-hmm. it will be less less chance of somebody, uh, people giving each other COVID. Uh, you know, that's how it could be. In, sort of a, in a practical sense, that's how it, it would work. Um, it's really interesting stuff. And I'm honestly, in terms of, you know, the pre-med me and, um, and this George Floyd situation and all these protests slash riots going on, I'm kind of interested to see how it affects the yeah, rates of coronavirus. Are we going to see a spike in coronavirus that might push governors, you know, once I'm, I'm assuming presumably these riots will die down at some point. Um, and we'll have to see what happens there. Um, but, you know, once those die down and people are people going to start getting sick again, or are the rates of COVID going to increase and, and governors are going to go back and pull sports off the table again? Um, what's going to happen? Uh, my theory is, you know, based on what I just said, that we're not going to see these large increases in in case, cases of coronavirus, also because a lot of these protests and coronavirus are, and riots rather are happening outside, and I don't think people are going to transmit them as much if they're outside, as long as they're not in together in close confined spaces. Um, we'll have to see, and you know, again, that's also kind of a uh, there's a 
lot of confounding factors there because the people protesting and such are generally younger people, um, you know, because if they're older, they're either still scared of COVID or obviously they're not as mobile enough to go out and protest. Um, so definitely, again, really interested to see what happens in terms of the coronavirus cases. I, I, I hope my theory is correct and people don't catch it as much. And yeah. it's not as transmissible, transmissible of an outdoor environment because that's it's a really good thing. It, it allows us to be a little more free. You know, if I want to go do something, as long as it's outside, I, sh- I don't have to be as worried about it. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, that's all I really have to say about the coronavirus. Obviously, you know, treatments and, and vaccines are still in the works. Not much news there on that line. Uh, hopefully we'll see some some better news soon. Uh, nothing really negative, uh, you know, in terms of that. But other than that, I think it's this week's podcast, you know, relatively short. They're really, really dry on news this week. Um, um, again, with the George Floyd situation really taking over the country, that's that's the entire news cycle. Yeah. Uh, even even companies like ESPN and, and uh, House of Highlights and et cetera, et cetera, and Nike, uh, across the board are all focusing on that, so it's not really sports this week in the news, um, which is understandable with how much turmoil the U.S. has been in this past week. I think no matter where you fall on the issue and no matter what your opinions are, you could definitely say that um, the, the state of the U.S. right now is not good. I think yeah. no matter, that is absolutely not a controversial topic. I think <laughs> or, or sentence, I think everybody could agree that what's happened in the U.S. right now is no bueno. No, I don't think anybody really wants this to happen between coronavirus and, and what's happening, so Hopefully it all gets better. Uh, my personal opinion, just have faith in, in America. You know, I think America generally is a pretty good country and we'll, we'll work it out and we'll figure things out. People will calm down. Um, hopefully situations will get resolved and we can all hopefully head back to normalize at some point. 2020 has been absolutely crazy. Trash. You know, I'm one of those people that thinks everyone's over complains and like calm down. It's not that bad. Uh, 2020, I think I think I'm getting there where it's, <laughs> it's, it's that bad. <laughs> You know, I'm, I was thinking about it yesterday, and I was thinking when I go into a pre-med, my pre-med interviews or my medical interviews, uh-huh. school interviews, they're gonna be like, "So, what did you do there in the summer of 2020?" I'm gonna be like, "Well, I had planned a mission trip to Guatemala, and that got canceled because of the coronavirus, and I was gonna be an EMT, but the class got pushed back because of the coronavirus, and then I tried being an EMT in my hometown, but they said you need a CPR class. All the CPR classes got canceled for the coronavirus." So I said, okay, I'll go. I'll go apply to camp and get a job there because that's something that's easy enough for me to do. Got canceled because of coronavirus. So I said, okay, I'll go work at a local grocery store and such. But no, those are being rioted and looted, and the economy's in turmoil. And I, I'm not sure if I, you know, if I was going to work at those places, presumably one of the places I was looking at working was going to be a night shift. And I really don't want to be working a night shift when it, it gets it, it potentially gets set on fire or something like that. So it's not something I really want to put myself. Um, in position to do right now, it's just tough, man. Um, it's been a terrible. It's just year. tough. It's it's just tough, man. I'm 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 hoping everything gets resolved and I can get my life on track and everything gets better. But other than that, if you feel any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to contact me uh, at Nick Horvath on Inst- uh, Nick Horvath rather on Instagram. You can contact me at my email at nicholashorvath10 at yahoo.com or feel free to contact me at my Twitter at uh, Nick Horvath sixty one. Uh, other than that, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if you guys are participating in whatever is going on, but other than that, I hope everybody stays safe. Um, in terms of coronavirus, hope hope everybody's still healthy, uh, and I'm hoping my 2020 gets better. I'm hoping your 2020 gets better, and, and things continue to improve from here because I don't see how much it can, it can get much worse than this in terms of everyone across the U.S. Is, is dealing with with what's happening right now from everywhere. So I hope everybody's 2020 gets better. I hope everybody just does well. Other than that, I'm heading over to Brian. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, 2020 has been... I, I don't even know what to say. But um, in Sport Universe News, we just posted the Cedric Maxwell interview on our YouTube. It's the first visual interview that we've done. Um, Cedric Maxwell, if you don't know who that is, he was an NBA player from, I think he was drafted in 1977 to 1988. He was, he's known for his time playing with the Celtics during their like dynasty in 1980. Uh, as a two-time champion with them and, um, won the 1980-1981 Finals MVP. Probably our biggest interview yet, so that was very exciting mm-hmm. to do. Um, and definitely, guys, I'm just going to cut it right there. Uh, just like, guys, definitely go check that out. That's definitely my favorite interview that Bron's been able to acquire so far. Mm-hmm. Definitely get the voice interview, and he's definitely an interesting character. Yeah. Uh, definitely an interesting guy. Um, you know, his credentials speak for themselves, obviously being a, a real NBA player, and the fact that he's an NBA champion, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, it speaks for itself again with with his personality, his credentials, and, and the fact that it's actually like a, a, a visual voice interview and not just a, a written interview. It's definitely a big step up for us as, as a as a organization, but mm-hmm. it's definitely something really interesting. I think you guys should go check out. So good, yeah. good job to Brian for filling that one out. Thank you, um, and thank you to Cedric Maxwell as well. Obviously, yeah. he's. I don't know if he's still a broadcaster for the Celtics, but he also does like a podcast which he talked about. Um, I guess also to comment on that, the reason that we have done written interviews, if anyone's actually wondering, is because we'd imagine we're a smaller organization, obviously, and we feel like that the written interviews are just easier for players and they can get their ideas out there on paper, maybe edit them if they don't want certain things out there and things like that. But um, it was actually a surprise for me that it was a visual podcast. I was expecting to write some, uh, not a podcast, visual interview i was expecting him to write some answers but that was a nice surprise um but other than that we'll be back next week with another podcast let us know what you thought of this you can dm us um and check out our videos on youtube instagram if you're a mets fan follow this met universe on instagram or subscribe to the youtube or do both um but other than that if you have any interest writing for us at any videos or any way you think you could help contact the sport universe 2019 at gmail.com Other than that, thanks for listening.